Hello everyone, my name is David McGovern. I'm the host of A Little Light Listening, a podcast where we cover the latest developments in science and technology that are based on the science of light. Welcome back to our regular podcast and here we feature experts from Ireland and around the world and we'll be exploring lots of areas including how light is used in medicine, space, communication and even for dealing with the effects of climate change. Each week we reach out to our community in advance of the podcast to get questions and comments which we put to the guests during the show. I, as always, work in the Irish Photonic Integration Centre, which is an SFI centre for photonics, where we conduct world-leading research in the science and application of light. Our national team of leading researchers work with other research centres and computer companies all around the globe, and with their help, I'll be bringing you some of the latest developments in this exciting area of research. The title of our podcast today is Light Saving Lungs, where we will discuss how the use of light is helping doctors to understand how the lungs of babies are functioning, using a harmless light source, how this can be done continuously so you can keep an eye on the patients at all time, and which can ultimately bring about better outcomes for these babies. The technique is based on gas absorption spectroscopy, or gas mass, and today we will learn more about this novel technique and how it has been used by our guests in their research today. This week I'm joined by Professor Stefan Anderson Engels and Hannah Huistrom. How are you guys doing? Fine, thank you. Great. Fantastic. Great. We're happy to be here. Delighted. Delighted to have you here. Uh, so Stefan is one of my colleagues. I'm going to give a bit of a bio of Stefan here. Uh, Stefan hails from Helsingborg in Sweden. He received his master's in 1985 and his PhD in 1990, both from Lund University. Uh, Stefan is an award-winning world-leading researcher who manages a research group of about 40 members. Um, professor first came to Ireland uh, to work in 2016 when he was awarded an SFI professorship and you came to work with us at IPIC at Tyndall in UCC. And now you lead a number of international collaborations with universities, clinicians, and industry partners like Rockley and of course, GPX Medical. Uh, Professor Engels has been awarded the Skatko Award, which is the most prestigious entrepreneurship award in Sweden, as well as the Lindblom's Award from the Swedish Royal Academy of Sciences. Um, Hannah is the CEO of GPX Medical AB and a board member of Alteco Medical AB. Uh, she's a master's in business administration, focusing on technology management and marketing from Lund University and has an executive MBA also in leadership. Uh, Hannah has worked for some of the world's leading companies, including L'Oreal, Coca-Cola, TP Oral Hygiene, where she was a global marketing director before leaving to become the founder and CEO of GPX Medical. Uh, GPX Medical develops medical devices for improving the care and life quality of our most vulnerable patients, which are preterm born infants. And welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, so it's great to have everyone here. And I think to start off, I think for our listeners here and, and for everybody at home, uh, how could you could you give us a, Hannah, a little bit of background to yourself and how did you first get in, uh, interested in working in technology-led businesses in particular? Well, I'm Swedish and I'm actually born in the university city of, of Lund in Sweden, uh, although uh, living a couple of years in, in Brussels growing up. Uh, I returned to Lund for my university studies and that's really where I learned my passion both for business and technology. So I started to uh, study both subjects um, and, and uh, went to both part of, of the university and, and uh, that's when I realized the, the power of uh, working together with different perspectives and and really the the uh, the power of innovation and uh, that's where I started really focusing on 
taking innovation to the market in actually in order to uh, improve quality of life of, of uh, hopefully millions of people. So that's when I really discovered that power of innovation combining business and technology. Fantastic. Well, I, when you look at your background, you have such a diverse uh, amount of experience in very large companies. I think these are the sort of things, and we, we talk about founding technology companies, and a lot of our founders come straight from universities. I think it's very valuable for us to be able to collaborate with people who have all this experience um, in, in the business world. And how have you felt that working with technical, more technical-oriented uh, people in the business, how have you felt that your skills have complemented theirs? Well, definitely. Um, I, I think my background of studying both engineering and business has been very helpful for me. Uh, and together with uh, a genuine personal interest in technology. So for me, it's always been about really understanding the, the power of the engineer's uh, research, for example, and, and making sure how I can uh, simplify that and make that into uh, a product or a profitable case that can actually go to market and uh, and earn money and be of value of consumers. So really translating innovation into a product, that that's really where kind of my strength com comes in. I think that's really, I mean, that's something that we, we try to train our researchers to do this um, more and more. And certainly when I was a PhD student, we, we didn't do a lot of entrepreneurship training. And I think having people like yourself at uh, the head of these organizations is extremely uh, helpful for us to learn how to do that better as, as a researching community. And what's really great is that we have Stefan here, and Stefan, as you know well, for a, lo a long time collaborative yourself. Um, and Stefan, what you do in your career, which is very interesting, and I think it'd be great to give you a bit of background to yourself, both on the technical side, but also how you've used that to work with people like EPX and other companies to be entrepreneurial as well as being scientific. Yes, I am. <clears throat> I've been studying at Lund University as well, and and uh, I studied physics, but I also studied a lot of biomedical engineering combined with, with physics. So I have an academic degree in, in physics, but I also studied biomedical engineering to, to get more insight in, in what you do in engineering, but also the medical world. But very early on when I started my PhD studies, I got involved in, or we started actually a company. Oh, wow. so, so already as a PhD student, I, I was trying to, to commercialize things because what I see, what we do in, in the research here in the biomedical optics and biophotonics mm -hmm. is how, how can patients benefit from what we're doing? And we are really trying to do that. And, and in order to do that, we need to get it out to the patients. And, and working with companies is one way. Starting a company is another way. And okay. I mean, these are the routes that I've been exploring through my career. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's really inspiring when we see uh, the number of companies being involved with. And, and you can actually see it from, I work with the collaboration with both Hannah and Stefan, and you can see it from the collaboration because the research team here is geared towards the success of commercially, which is important if you want to get this out to the real world, as you said, Hannah, to, to, to actually be impactful. Um, and also, it's great to have a company who's, who's so novel and new in that area to work with. It's fantastic. Um, I guess for everyone listening at home, they, we've mentioned what gas mass is. Um, but, Stefan, it'd be great for people to understand what is this medical challenge in neonates and premature babies and, and even full-term babies that we're, we're looking at here. What is, the, what is the medical challenge we have? So medical challenge is that, I mean, I'm, I'm not a clinician. I should say that first. But... As far as I understand, and uh, I've been working in this for quite some time, so, so 
preterm babies have a problem typically that the lungs are not well developed. So, so quite a few babies are wor- born preterm. And actually there is quite a lot of mortality and morbidity out of these patients. Uh, so the challenge is to try to understand how to treat these patients on a personal level. So each patient needs to be treated differently. Okay. And, and the question here is, how do we monitor when they need to be treated and not? And this is what we are trying to invent here. Okay. So, um, and in the circumstances here, you can imagine that there's, there are babies within hospitals and they have a, a lung uh, challenge or, or, or disorder, potential disorder. And as the idea there here, we're trying to be able to look at this in a robust way, continuous way, a safe way. Is that the main aim of doing this? Exactly. So, so today the diagnostic procedure is typically to use x-rays and x-rays are harmful and you can't do them all the time. So you do it daily basically for these patients. Okay. The intention here is to develop a method that could monitor them continuously so we see any events that happens with the lung and, and then can start treatment immediately. Fantastic. Um, and Hannah, you've had so many leadership positions in this. You, you could have tackled any challenge. So what drove you and GPX to tackle this challenge? What, 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 what fascinated you about this? Well, I was introduced to one of the researchers behind this technology and, and was actually blown away about the possibilities that the te- this technology offers when implemented in a, in a product and taking out to, to the preterm born infants uh, in a clinic. Um, so uh, I would say that I feel very uh, humble and fortunate that I'm able to uh, lead this company um, and collaborate with all of these amazing researchers uh, in order to create a product that would come out to hospitals and be used by neonatologists and nurses in order to monitor these babies continuously and instantly detect uh, lung complications so that the babies can be saved uh, but also be saved uh, to a better quality of life without severe disabilities that many many of these children have today so to be to be able to work with a, a groundbreaking technology that's not that often that you actually get the chance i mean I've, I've been doing a lot of work with um and smaller innovations in, in the large corporations that i've had before but but it's it's very unusual that there is a completely new way of monitoring the body and i think that that's really what's important also to to share today is that this is this is groundbreaking um it's very seldom that you have this type of technology that really can make an impact and change the way uh babies today are are monitored in the neonatal intensive care unit that's fantastic. I mean, we can imagine a lot of us have done research projects that are very, very important, but nothing very rare, as you say, you get an opportunity to do something this, uh, this impactful. Um, and I suppose in understanding what the challenge is, and we see that there are babies who have lung disorders or lung complications that need to be checked, um, we have this technology called, we're calling it gas mask, which is the, it's always good to get a good acronym. Um, but Stefan, just for everyone listening, what exactly is this technology and how, it is, how does it work? So, yes, it's uh, to make it as simple as possible, we're trying to measure the attenuation of light in gases. And we all know that, I mean, the atmosphere is not absorbing a lot because it's transparent, so we see quite far. So, so it's a very, very small absorption we're looking for. 
and this is done with uh, diode laser spectroscopy. So, so this is a conventional technology that people can use to measure gas absorption. It's like a standard spectrophotometer, but with gases. The challenge here, actually we have a number of challenges, more than that we have a weak signal. We are measuring through tissue, so, so we are measuring inside, deep inside the tissue where the lung is sitting. So we are measuring from the skin and out to the skin again. So, so the light has to penetrate through the tissue quite a distance. And in that tissue it's attenuated quite much more than in the gas itself. So that's the first challenge we have. And how to solve that is the gas has a very, very narrow, sharp absorption line as compared to tissue that is very broadly absorbing. So if you just tune a laser across that absorption line, the tissue absorption is basically the same, constant, while the gas absorption has a high dynamic. So, so this is why you can measure that tiny signal also within tissue. Ah, so you're kind of, I guess, for an analogy, you're sort of doing metal. You're sort of doing metal detectors. So you're looking around for one little thing, a little spike, in a signal, and all the rest of the parts of the body that absorb the light that you're shining through. That should be relatively constant. And when you find a bit of oxygen in the lung, you're hoping to find that one little mark, and we can follow that. So it's one little needle in a haystack that we can stick at, and once we can find it, we can look at it and detect it. Correct. And the other really uh, complicated thing with this is that we measure the attenuation, but we would like to measure the absorption, so the concentration of the gas. And how do you measure, uh, combine or relate the, the attenuation to the concentration? Then you need to know the path length. In the normal spe spectrophotometer, you know the path length because you have a cuvette that is one centimeter thick. Here we don't have that. We have very scattering media like tissue where light is scattered every 100 microns. So that means that we, we don't really know the path length. So, so the way to get around that is to measure two gases. One of the gas we know the concentration of in the lung. Ah, okay. Okay, yes, I understand. So basically we have a baby who is moving. <laughs> we have a baby who is possibly crying as well. And you don't know how big their lungs are. You don't know how much oxygen they have. And what you need to do is try and make it set the standard that you know how much oxygen is in one thing and how that signal is, is showing. And therefore, you can relate it to how much oxygen and concentration and how much oxygen is in the lung of the baby. Exactly. So, so actually, by measuring two signals, we can measure both the lung volume and the concentration of oxygen in the lung. So this is the trick with okay. this technology. Well, very good. And, and Hannah, so I mean, uh, that's Stefan telling us about the base of technology there, but you actually are putting this in implying uh, implanting this into into an actual solution so what are your team in gpx actually working on uh, and what your solution hopes to be so my team at gpx medical are and uh, they're integrating this technology and taking that into a uh, product so a medical device it's a medical device that we uh, call a neola neonatal lung analyzer uh, it's a bedside system so you would have it typically next to the ventilator by the incubator bed of, of the baby and you have uh, probe sets so 
uh, the light is emitted through very light probes that are placed on the baby's chest. And you will have also uh, a monitor that is very easy to, to use by neonatologists and ner nurses in, in this very special intensive care setting. So uh, not only the technology needs to work, the probes needs to be really safe to use on the very sensitive skin of the preterm born infant. And um, the team needs to also develop the product so that it fulfills all rules and regulations within uh, medical device uh, standards, which is, of course, for intensive care products, very, very high. Okay, I am. Uh, I can imagine the big benefit of this being the fact that it's it's bedside effectively. So I can all these other techniques that we've been discussing, like X-ray, and I know there is some portable X-ray, but certainly for such delicate patients, you have to be very careful with that. But I can see the advantage of this being a harmless light source, and at the bedside, you can see the the, the improvements not only for the, the, the clinicians and, and and the nursing staff, but also for parents because you're going to see a much safer and much uh, less intrusive way. To, to constantly monitor their, their, their baby's health. Definitely. The, the words uh, non-invasive and continuous, continuous lung monitoring are really the key words for healthcare personnel. Fantastic. Um, and a lot of times we talk about these projects and a lot of in our podcast, people come on and we say what we're going to do. Um, but actually, this is one of the rare occasions where we really, really are doing this right now. And, and, and Stefan, you're involved in the collaboration here with, with Hannah and with CUMH and the Infant Center. And we're right now, this sort of work and is, is underway. If you want to describe uh, some more about that project, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Yes, so what we are doing now, so as an academic person, we, we do a lot of studies in the lab before we go to the clinic, obviously. These are very vulnerable patients. So, so we have done a lot of studies in the lab with various type of tissue phantoms and materials that are simulating the body in all optical senses. We're doing a lot of modeling to, to see how light is propagating, how signals can, can become. But then at some stage we're bringing it to the clinic and, and now we have the biggest clinical trial ever done. And I mean, it's still a very, very basic st stadium. So, so we are not really helping patients at this stage. We are okay. really testing the system and, and the technology and technique and see how we in the future could help patients here. And so, so now we are measuring term babies, so full term babies that are born normally and completely healthy. And we are measuring that on them to see how good we can measure the, the lung functions wow okay um and uh Anna, you've obviously been involved in this work as well i mean that must be absolutely amazing to have such a a, a real world impact already uh, and i know these babies are healthy babies but this is proving that this technology actually works I think that, that that's really the power of this uh, study. It's the first uh, large-scale clinical study ever made. I mean, so it's groundbreaking just in, in that sense. And, and we uh, have the opportunity now to really test the technology, as Stefan says, but also we learn a lot about um, different um, clinical perspectives that are very important as we continue the, the product development and the research re regarding the technology. So there's so many perspectives that we, we learn, both my team and Stefan's team and, and Jean's team, um, about 
about how the system works in a in a clinical setting. Um, so uh, it's it's a it's a very important uh, study in in many ways. I think the from watching a lot of industry collaborations that we've had, I think this is considering we have clinicians, we have multiple centers, we have an innovative company, and we've. I don't know how many researchers now on this project is extremely broad. So from what I've seen in my own, my own career, this has been one of the most fascinating studies I've seen. Uh, and Stefan, so what's the next phase of this? So you've already started it. You've done phantom studies. And for our listeners, what a phantom is actually, it's not a ghost. A phantom is a, it's a mimic of, a, of an organ. So you can make a lung that behaves in an optical way like a lung. So we've done that kind of work already. And now you've started the project. So what is, how do we see this going ahead now in terms of this project? Are we going to continue on as we are? And, and how, does it, how does it go forward? So we are completing the study that we are performing right now and trying to publish that. And, and then the next step would be to take it to the next level, to make it more and more complex, a more and more clinical situation where we can really help patients to get to preterm babies, to, to smaller babies that are really vulnerable uh, and see how we can actually help. So, so I, I see working in this trihelic structure with clinicians extremely important to, to see what, what are the medical needs, what are the unmet needs that we can really solve for them. And an academic person as myself and our team at IPIC, very good. And then having also a commercial partner to really can put this forward and, and bring it out to the patients once once we are finished with this. And also say that this is possible to do, but this is not possible to do. So, I mean, you, you need all the inputs from the beginning, not sequentially, but working in parallel is extremely important in order to maximize the success rate. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, one thing that's very interesting for me in particular is that um, what I find particularly interesting when it comes to collaborations in industry is that we can see here, as we've seen amongst this group here, it isn't a case of one person serving another person's needs or, you know, the industry partner comes along and says, I, I need this. It's not that. In this case, this is a collaboration that was really well embedded from the beginning. And and how, for yourselves, you, you know, you, you have very high, um, leading technology people within your own company, of course, but how have you found, as a technology company, how have you found working with researchers and clinicians outside of your own organization, how has that helped innovate from an industry perspective? Well, I would say that that is much more than helps, that it's really a necessity uh, in in order to make sure that both we get objective data, uh, objective analysis, but also to ensure the, the fantastic uh, quality uh, in, in everything that's done um, from a research perspective. Um, also, from a, a company perspective, there are so many different things that you need to take care of. It's also about uh, making sure that you, you will have a, a sound price, uh, that you will have good margins, uh, that it's well adapted for many countries as such. Um, and it can be hard to internally within the company also focus on the next stage the so important next stage of the research that would make sure that this is actually going to be an even better product uh, product in in the in the coming 10 and 20 years and what's the next evolution uh, that that's really where the researchers have 
have such an important role. And then from a clinician uh, perspective, that is so needed to make sure that we're not only developing this amazing technology with great features, but it's actually the features also that's valuable um, to the healthcare personnel that's going to use this uh, medical device and that it also creates a real value for the patients. Fantastic. Um, and, and Stefan, I know that you've worked with industry and, and so been behind a number of companies. How do you find from a researcher's now perspective being able to have access to companies like GPX and, and, and innovative companies like that? How has that helped you in terms of your innovation, your research? I, th I think that's key, as I said. I mean, we, we need to have companies involved very early on whether if we are going to develop techniques that will help patients in the end. Because without the input from the industry, we we can probably solve many problems that never will find its way to, to the commercial market because we, we are not meeting all the needs that are necessary for the clinicians and for the companies. And, and in particularly in this case, the technology is so simple. I mean, basically, you can make a very, very compact, low-cost instrument that could go also to developing countries. And I see a huge potential of this technology to be implemented worldwide. And I see that as a fantastic opportunity here. I think that's a really important point about a lot of the work that we do. And one of the elements is sustainability. And when we work in medical device, you hear a lot of medical price inflation and an awful lot of challenges in terms of meeting cost. And I think this is one of the most important factors of this of this project. I, I think that, as Stefan has said, and I know Hannah's working on this with, with all these teams, is that this, this product, as you say, may actually be something that can reduce costs for this sort of very, very high um, high risk activity, the fact that this is a very, very vulnerable patient. And rather than increasing the complexity of treatment, actually this could be reducing the complexity of treatment and allowing for better outcomes and going around the world. So, and Stefan, do you see this as a potentially very sustainable technology and that approach? Absolutely, and I think this is a key aspect of this, that developing, and as many of the photonics tools that we are developing at Biophotonics and IPIC, they, they could potentially be very low cost and could help develop this more sustainable society where we could reduce costs and still have very, very high quality of the data that we collect. Fantastic. And, and Hannah, I presume that's very, they, these the, the sustainable development goals, UN sustainable goals, are presumably very important for companies like yourself as well to keep all this sort of research sustainable and to keep it at the highest possible impact internationally. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And also I would like to add one perspective, which is the, the, the perspective of children uh, today uh, in, a, in a global setting. And the UN has set a specific goal in their agenda 2030, that year 2030, no child should die uh, of uh, preventable uh, causes by being born uh, preterm. So uh, what the UN is, is really uh, identifying is that being born preterm is one of the most common causes of death for children today and we definitely need to have new technology and 
better medical device in the care of children. Um, and the, the children perspective is, is rather new uh, in global politics. Um, and traditionally, um, also a, a very underinvested category uh, within the med tech industry. So uh, medical technology that helps save the lives of children has not been prioritized by investors and the industry for many, many years. So it's actually seen as the development is 10 years behind the technology for medical device for adults. So that's also a very important perspective, the children's perspective in, in the sustainable discussion. That's absolutely amazing. I, I, I wasn't aware of how, how much of an impact that has had. Um, and I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. And I think it's, it's fantastic. Not only this project is, is addressing a real commercial need, but it actually is addressing a real uh, research deficit that's been existing. Um, that's absolutely fascinating. I think another thing fascinating for me, being an Irish person and having a Swedish uh, professor here and a, and a Swedish colleague over, all the way over there in Sweden, um, how have you found collaborating in Ireland, um, considering you know, your, your background is, is international work, you've worked, you've worked very broadly, but how have you found collaborating in an Irish sense, working with universities here and working with, uh, with all the structures that exist? Uh, from from my perspective, I'm I'm uh, so impressed by the uh, industry focus that Ireland uh, as a country have in in your life science strategy and how that is actually implemented all the all the way from research and university to the industry and to make sure that everyone really works together as one team. That is, uh, I would say, actually a bit controversially maybe, but actually not as strong in Sweden and in many other countries that I've seen as it is in Ireland. So uh, I think that that is a very uh, effective life science strategy that I think will, will serve Ireland very well in terms of attracting the best talent to your university and, and also attracting the most innovative uh, companies to, to work with your teams here. It's fascinating. And, and in fact, we were very lucky because Stefan, Stefan has been here now for six years now. Actually, you've been in Ireland. And I think the Science Foundation Ireland PI Award is, was key to that. And I think it goes to show you that the investment at that stage has allowed us to have a collaboration like this because GPX Medical obviously has a, has a relationship with Stefan. And I think it shows to show you that if you invest long term in what we're doing, it is uh, we're so delighted with SFR supporting us with this. It's been fantastic. Um, I've had a number of questions from people. So I asked our community, and when I say our community, I mean not only our researchers, we asked our family and friends. And um, one of the questions that kept coming up was, and I'll ask, uh, ask Hannah first, when do we think that this technology might be really in a product in a hospital? When do we, when do we actually think? Uh, in 2024. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> no, that was very close. <laughs> so okay. very specific. But no, um, uh, we're actually underway with our regulatory process for the Neola device for continuous lung monitoring uh, and aim to be on the market uh, with a, a C-marked uh, device in 2024. Now, that said, uh, definitely more research needed, and uh, I foresee that we will work together in, in research collaborations for many, many years to come, uh, but uh, it's it's definitely aiming to be on the market soon. That's fantastic. And and Stefan, people have asked as well, as some of our, our, our research people here have said, so imagine that the next product comes out, the first generation, what, what do you see? And I think possibly, as you said, the smaller and smaller devices, what would you see as the next generation and a generation after that, this sort of product? Yes, uh, smaller devices, obviously, 
but also more functionalities to it. So okay. I mean, right now what we can do is to see if a lung collapses to see that the lung volume is actually decreasing quite a bit. But I mean, I would like to see that we, we could monitor the shape of the lung and, and see really what lobes of the lung are not working and, and how well they're working. And also the exchange of gases within the lung. That would be extremely fascinating if we can bring it to that level. And th that will add complexity to the system. But again, the device is very compact. You, have, you need a light source, you need a detector and you can have multiple of them on the skin and possibly have a t-shirt on the baby with oh, a wow. lot of sources and detectors and, and that would be a fantastic future I would oh, say. wow wow um, that's fascinating um uh i have also had a number of other questions some of your questions actually now so uh, we know a lot of clinical work is happening here so medical students and uh, medicinal scientists are people who we involve in this but um, Stefan, I was asking you first in terms of photonics is one area, but um, what disciplines have you part of this project? Because I, I've seen the project myself from the beginning and the, the number of disciplines that are involved in this, far beyond just clinical work. What would you say if people wanted to get involved in this sort of research and, and, and sort of saving babies' lives and saving uh, deep clinical research? What would you suggest that they, they could study? What's the areas? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because the biophotonics area is so multidisciplinary, as you said. So, so, I mean, within the team, we have physicists, we have engineers, we have actually people with a clinical background, with chemical background, biological background. So, so it doesn't really matter what you study. Uh, but in this particular project, I mean, the key aspect would be to understand laser spectroscopy, how you how you can measure these tiny signals in that huge background. So, so that's a key thing. But then we need electronics in order to integrate it to a system. We need engineering to build it, also designers to design the system. Uh, so many, many aspects of this could be of interest. Okay. And, and, and for you, Hannah, in your, in your organization, I mean, I, I, I've met a number of your staff before, and it's very cross-disciplinary in, in, in what you do. For yourselves, if, if you're looking to get talent into your organization, what do you look for now in, in these sorts of uh, applications? Well, especially algorithm specialists. So so working with, uh, with software and working with uh, artificial intelligence and working with developing really uh, amazing algorithms. That's what was really going to make a big difference for us in our next generations of the product. Um, so I would definitely recommend also going into that direction uh, uh, for, uh, for young people who are interested within this field because uh, a lot of things will happen within the algorithms. Okay, it's interesting and I guess it goes to show you that it isn't just clinical work because I know a lot of people were asking me is it's just mainly you know medicinal scientists or clinicians and said no no there's a, there's a broad broad spectrum of individuals involved I really really enjoyed today I mean I've, I've been watching this project from the beginning and I've been delighted to get both of you on I know it's very hard to get everyone with their demanding time so Hannah I really appreciate you coming in today and Stefan also uh, I really I think this is a fantastic um, effort not just by clinicians not just by researchers but by the industry it's a complete collaboration and I want to thank you both very much for coming today and uh, I'll talk to you very good soon thank you so much for having us thank you Hannah thank you so much David very interesting thank you